Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. Your Bibles and want to look on your smartphones or tablets, uh, Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 to 29. We've been working our way through the churches in Revelation, and uh, today we come to the church in Thyatira. As you know, as we Jesus has been speaking to them and the churches in, in Asia Minor. Jesus has been speaking to us as well. Well, today we come to the church of Thyatira. Thyatira is the least important city of all the seven cities that John wrote to. Yet it warrants the longest letter to all the seven churches. Um, and so whether... You're found in a large metropolis like Ephesus or Toronto or a small town like Thyatira or Perth. Jesus cares. Jesus cares about the state of his church. Jesus cares about Asbury. And he cares about you and the state of your soul. As with all churches, Jesus introduces himself with with parts of his character that, that the church needs to understand to face the situation they're in. So he introduces himself in, in uh, verse 18 to the angel in the church in Thyatira, right? These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. Eyes like blazing fire indicate that Jesus sees all. Fire is also an indication of, of judgment, a symbol of judgment, and he judges correctly because he sees all. Burnished bronze feet. He's steadfast and sure, it's a strong metal, and, and uh, he is on solid ground. He is strong, he does not change. And then it goes on to verse 19. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your servants and perseverance, that you are now doing more than you did at first. He has seen the whole picture of their lives. He knows about what's going on in their life, he, and... They have grown in their hearts. They've grown in in love and faith. They've grown in service and perseverance. So these these people that we're reading about, they are growing Christian. I I, I want you to think about that for a moment in light of what Jesus is about to say. But the church was growing in their faith. They were growing in their love. They were growing in how they lived out their faith. That's exactly what we want to see happen here, right? We at Asbury want to be growing in our faith and our love and, and how we live out that faith. Well, how does that happen? Well, the primary way, uh, way you grow is through your, your own spiritual disciplines. Are you praying regularly? Are you reading the Bible regularly? Are you listening to what God is saying to you and obeying it? Are you doing what you believe God would have you to do? The Christian life boils down to simply abiding in Christ and doing what he says. The primary factor in your spiritual growth, where you're growing in love and you're growing in faith, growing in in service and perseverances, will be what you're doing personally. Are you connecting with God regularly, individually? Second largest factor in growing uh, uh, spiritual growth are those Christians that you hang around with. In our church, this usually happens in small groups. Sometimes these groups happen 
organically, just a group of friends getting, getting together. Sometimes the church organizes them. But if you are going to grow significantly, then you need a small group of people who you regularly meet with and you're having spiritual conversations with and pray with. When you're around people who are encouraging one another in their faith, growth happens. When you're uh, around people who walk with each other on their spiritual journey, growth happens. There's normally three parts to this kind of growth. There is the stuff that we're learning together, the content that we're learning together. And you say, well, here's what Jesus has been teaching me, and here's what uh, Jesus has been teaching me, and as you share with one another, iron sharpens iron, you learn. And then, uh, not only that, but you're growing deep into relationship. And uh, you're learning to love each other deeply. And again, sometimes, you know, as you know, when you're forming deep relationships, that can be challenging because sometimes people are easy to get along with, sometimes not as easy. But you're forming, you see God forming your character. And then there's a service that we do together. These things are incredibly important to grow spiritually. You were never meant to live the spiritual life on your own. You were, you were meant to grow together in knowledge. Uh, you're meant to grow together in relationship. You're meant to grow together in, uh, in your service with one another. You were made for community. Now, these groups, these small groups, they take place within the context of the larger church. And a healthy church is made up of people who are practicing their own spiritual disciplines. These same people are in a small group of people that are having spiritual conversations, that are growing in the relationship with one another, and they're, they're, they're serving together. And uh, they're going with Jesus. And a bunch of these small groups make up the church. Uh, that is the way that the, the church is supposed to work. It's the way that God designed it to work. But here's where the problem can come in. And I've seen this dynamic happen in a number of churches. You have somebody come into the church. And they, well, they're a dynamic leader. A dynamic teacher in their own right. They may teach a small group or a Sunday school class. but However it is, they create a following within the church. Sometimes it can be a healthy thing. If they are a great teacher, teaching the Word of God, supporting the church as a whole, it can, it can be a wonderful thing. Sometimes, though, what they try to do is they create their own, try to create their own fiefdom, so kind of a church within the church. And I've seen this dynamic split the church. The, the first century church, however, though, was unfamiliar with denominations and different kinds of churches. There was one church, and so church splits were... How do you split the church? Because the church is always one, right? Uh, that's, that was their thinking. There's only one church. So they have this dynamic going on in the church in Thyatira. There's a small, there is this group of people in the church who are following this dynamic woman named Jezebel. That probably wasn't her name, but a name given by Jesus to indicate what kind of woman she was. Verse 20, nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and 
eating a food sacrificed to idols. I've given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely, unless they repent of her ways. If you're familiar with the Bible, you may remember Queen Jezebel from First and Second Kings. She was King Ahab's wife, and she led King Ahab from worshiping the true God into worshiping Baal, which involved sexual immorality and even child sacrifices in some cases. And he did this on the urging of Jezebel. Jezebel plotted the murder of a good man, Nathan. She was all about political power. To sum it up, here, here's what the Bible has to say about Ahab and Jezebel. 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 25. Indeed, there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do what was evil in the sight of the Lord, urged on by his wife Jezebel. He acted most abominably in going after idols, as the Ammonites had done, whom the Lord drove out before the Israelites. Ahab was the worst of the worst of the kings of Israel, and Jezebel drove him there. So when Jesus calls this woman who's teaching in the church in Thyatira, Jezebel, it's not a compliment, right? Back to verse 20. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel. Jesus, who sees everything, outlines what she's doing. She calls herself a prophet. Not one, but she calls herself one. She misleads God's people and urges them into sexual immorality, food offered to idols. She urges them to sleep with her and one another. I've been around Asbury long enough to, to know we don't have any self-proclaimed prophets resembling Jezebel in our midst. Thankful for that. Yay. And you know, eating food sacrificed to idols, it is not really the burning issue of our day, right? So the question is, does this passage have any relevance at all? Answer is a resounding yes. We have different dynamics in our world, but the overarching issues are the same. While it's always a possibility that a self-styled prophet might try to make inroads into Asbury, it's unlikely. What is more likely is this, that a self-styled prophet or teacher or preacher using podcasts or books or YouTube or Facebook possible that they could capture a portion of our church. And as you know, it doesn't matter if they're located in Toronto or San Francisco, um, but one of you listens to them and says, oh, well, this is really cool, unique teaching, and shares it with another, and shares it with another, and all, all of a sudden you have a, a small group of people who is in, enthralled with this person. Now, they are unlikely to teach about food offered to idols, in our age, the likely heresies are going to be around sex outside marriage, the promotion of racism, 
the denial of the authority of Scripture, the denial of the divinity of Jesus, the promotion of hating our enemies, it is likely that these self-styled teachers will make the secondary issues into primary items. And hear me, anything to do with the government is a secondary issue. Whether that is prayer in school, to vaccine mandates, to tax-exempt status, to churches. And whenever you make secondary items primary focuses, you lose what the church is meant to be. I don't know what the next heresy will be, but it seems to flow over the church in waves again and again. Here's what I want you to see. Go back to verse 21 on your screen. I have seen her. I have given her time to repent from her immorality, but she's unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. Jesus says, I've given Jezebel time to repent, but she refuses. I'm going to judge her. Okay, we get that. But we said, we don't have these self-styled prophets in our midst, but uh, look at the next line. I'll make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely, unless they repent of her ways. God is not only going to judge the teacher, he's going to judge the follower. You are responsible for who you follow and what you act on. Hear that carefully. You are responsible for who you follow and what you act on. Now, I, I know that that should seem self-evident. However, in this age with fake news and the left and the right spinning everything to absurdity, you are responsible for how you believe and how you act. One thing that has become evident over the last uh, number of years is that you can find a group on the internet to confirm whatever you want to believe, right? Um, if you want to believe there's a flat earth, there's a group who will confirm that for you. If you want to believe that we should violently overthrow the government, there's a group that will confirm that for you. Um, What's also obvious is you can probably find an expert to say almost anything. You can find an academic who will tell you to believe almost anything. But here's the thing. You are responsible for who you follow and what you believe and how you act. The Jesus you serve is the one who reveals himself like eyes of burning fire. He sees everything. He sees the Jezebels on the internet, but he also sees us too. What do you think it would have been like to be a follower of Jezebel? You know, the people who are following Jezebel, they're probably like the rest of the church, right? They were trying to grow in faith and in love. They were trying to grow in perseverance and in service. And I can imagine these people to be really good-hearted people. Then Jezebel comes along and says something like, well, 
you know what the Christian life is all about, right? You, the Christian life is, is all about love. We, we need to love each other. We need to, to love each other fully. And what better way is there to love each other than to have sex with each other? Fathers are saying, well, we want to grow in love. Yeah, that sounds right. We want to be a loving people. We know the, the greatest commandment to love God is to love God. And the second one is to love our neighbors. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, we, we want to do that. It seems a little weird that we'd sleep with one another, but whatever. She, she seems like a lovely person. And she seems like, you know, she, she, she knows her Bible and she quotes Bible verses. So they start to participate. And that is how you have a sex club formed in a church. Does any wonder, Jesus said, I have this against you, you tolerate the woman Jezebel? But do you think Jesus would be any more pleased with a gossip club? Or a racism club? Or a deconstruction of the faith club? As Paul put in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be involved with people especially people in the church who are saying that bad is good. Here's what Jesus says to Jezebel. Verse 22. I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely. Unless they repent of her ways, I will strike her children dead. Scholars think that's a reference to her, her converts. Then all, all the the churches will know that I am he who searches the hearts and minds, and I will repay each according to their deeds. Did you catch that? Unless you repent. If you have been involved in any of those things, there, there is always hope for the people who are willing to say, I was wrong. I've been walking away from God. Forgive me, Lord. I'm turned back. I'm heading towards you. Note at the end, I will repay each of you according to your deeds. He doesn't lump the whole church in with Jezebel. He sees each one of us. Verse 24. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned the Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold fast to what you've, you have until I come. By the way, when people tell you there's something that's a deep secret, that's usually an indication to run. Rest of you, you're growing in your faith. You're growing in your love. To those who, of you who are growing in in service and in perseverance. You, you haven't bought into Jezebel's lies, which is really lies of Satan. So here's what I'll tell you. 
hold fast until I come. Keep on growing in love. Keep on growing in faith. Keep on serving. Keep on persevering. Hold fast until I come. Notice who he's talking to the rest of you. When I look around the church in North America, it is really, really, really easy to become discouraged. Roman Catholic and mainline denominations are reeling from the res residential school fiascos. Evangelicals are reeling from high-profile pastors caught in affairs. And we're known for what we're against more than what we're for. Now the largest Protestant denomination in the United States has been caught covering up pastors who abuse. When I look around, it's really easy to get discouraged. But I think Jesus would say to us, to the rest of you, hold fast until I come. Keep growing in your faith. Keep growing in your love. Keep serving. Keep persevering. Hold fast until I come. Don't give up on the church. You need each other to grow. You cannot do without each other. So hold fast to until I come. Test what people are saying, especially people in the church. See what's consistent with what I have said. And hold fast until I come. Continue to grow in love and faith and service and perseverance with each other. Verse 26. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give them authority over the nations. That one will rule them with the iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery. That's a, that's a quote about God from Psalm 2 verse 9. And just as I've received authority from my Father, I will also give that one the morning star. Morning star in Revelation chapter 2 verse 16, uh, 22 verse 16 is a reference to Jesus. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Break those verses down. Jesus is basically saying, to those of you who overcome, I'm going to give you authority, and more than that, I'm going to give you myself. And that's good news. Because when it's all said and done, we need more of Jesus. The way that you grow personally is, first of all, to abide. Uh, the way you grow is, first of all, to grow personally. You abide in Jesus. You connect with Jesus deeply through prayer, through his word, through listening to his voice, and through obeying what he says. Then you need to connect with each other. We need small groups where we can have spiritual conversations and pray for each other, where we can urge one another to grow in our love and our faith and our service and even our perseverance. You were meant to grow in community. One thing Thyatira teaches us is that there are people that can rise up in the community that can mislead the followers of Jesus. In those cases, you're still required to grow. But you need to reject what Jesus does not approve of. You're held accountable for that. You know, when I look at a passage like this morning's passage, I see six different ways that I could preach this passage. Um... I chose to preach this one because there are so many voices outside the church and sometimes inside the church that want to lead us away from Jesus. 
Some of them are very seductive, like Jezebel's voice, where we need to love everyone, so that means we approve of what everyone's doing, and so we can be called a people of love. So we're not called to judge the world, but we are called to walk as a people of righteousness with each other. There are so many voices that are targeting the church right now and trying to make her afraid. Listen, politics is all about creating fear of the other and then positioning oneself to say, I'll stand against that fear with you. And the church is often targets of that message. People are trying to create fear in the church. Don't give in. Even if some in the church do. You walk by faith, walk in peace. There are fake news, there's false beliefs. In a world like this, hear the words of Jesus. Continue to grow in faith and in love, in service and perseverance, and hold fast until I come. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, tough word. And we get so confused sometimes. Lord, but I trust you. If we're willing to listen, you'll guide us in the right path. Help us, Lord, to listen to you fully. Help us to keep the main things, the main things. Help us not to get sidetracked Help a portion of us not to get sidetracked even. Help us to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week, take care and God bless.